Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys, as I pretty much start the intro every week, I am so fired up to have our guest today. I can't even tell you. I've been so excited to have Dr. Kim back on for the second time. Dr. Kim Kimberling, he ha- he's the president and founder of Awesome Marriage. He's been on the podcast before, aptly titled How to Have an Awesome Marriage, so you can check that one out. Just a great guy. He's an author, Christian counselor, uh, marriage counselor for a long time. Um, when I say a long time, over 30 years, he's been married over 40 years, and he currently runs Family Christian Counseling in Oklahoma City, where he counsels couples and writes books. And he's got uh, Awesome Marriage dot com is his website and uh, kind of a global marriage ministry. He's really got the online side um, done well, and he's got a great podcast also, uh, the Awesome Marriage Podcast. So welcome to the show, Dr. Kim. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the nice introduction. Very yeah, good. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so happy to have you back. And, uh, you know, you've got a great new book that's coming out. And then you've had me on your Awesome yes. Marriage Summit. Been honored before, to do that. So. Yes, absolutely. That's that great. Was, that was one of the highlights of my 2022. Or actually, that yeah. may have been 2021 back then. But yeah, I, I wrote yeah. in my end of year reflection, I wrote down like, dude, that was so cool. And I oh, was so you. scared to do that. Oh, well, it was you did great. And we, you know, we we started it in 2020 during the pandemic. And it just uh just seemed like an idea to, to do it, do it again. So it's uh it's a lot of fun to do. We get to involve great people like you that have so much to share. And so the people that attend the summit get to a lot of wisdom and knowledge from a lot of different people. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that like that technology again, that we can do that, that we can even do something like that, um, is just still amazes me. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we just go back. I do a lot of sports these days with kids and coaching and everything. And you know, just last night, my younger daughter, she's a soccer girl. And I say, come here, check this out. And she's like, yeah, dad. And it was just some little soccer move, a super basic one. I go, I'm 50 and I never knew how to do this. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe I did this because I figured it out over time, but I never yeah. saw an instructor, no coach, no trainer, no, no, nobody yeah. showed me this. Like I had to learn this one on my own, but I didn't learn it to this level. And this is a seven second video. 
That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's so easy to do that, you know. Just and I think it's, I think more of us kind of go to that. I was cooking. What did I do last night? I was cooking salmon. I hadn't I grilled salmon in a long time, and so just googled thing popped up. I thought, okay, that's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure, so I get the right timing and everything down. And so it's it's amazing that we have quick access uh, like that to so many things. Yes, yes, absolutely. So you've got a new book coming out. It's called Love intimacy and sex in the second half. So guys that you tuned in or you check the show notes or whatever, and you thought, ah, I'm going to give this one a chance anyway, because I've only been married a couple of years. I got a newborn baby at the house or, you know what? My kids are in middle school, you know, we're, we're nowhere near the second half. So there is a thought out there. Stephen Covey made it real popular. Begin with the end in mind. Yeah, so our conversation today, we can be thinking about the second half of marriage. However, so many of the strategies that go into the second half of marriage are strategies we should be implementing right now too. So absolutely. Absolutely. So when yeah. you think I'm not 50, I'm not 60, I'm not 70, this, t- this podcast isn't going to fit me, but I'm willing to give it a shot anyway. Guys, stick around. This is going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the way you said that because I think so. I kind of look at marriage as a highway and you get married and you've got this highway all the way to the end. And and the things you do every day along depends on how your end is going to be, whether it's great when you get in that second half of marriage or not. And you're right. If you do the principles that we talk about in the book um, and you do that consistently, that transition to the second half of marriage is going to be so easy. And yet today I see it be so difficult for so many people. I had a young person in last week, she's 25, and uh, she and her sister left home to go to college, and two years later, her parents divorced. And they thought, we thought we had this great family. Well, they did from the kids' point of view, because the, it was all about the kids. And when the kids left, it was like, I don't even know you. And so if it's so important to begin to do those things early. You just can't wait because you're building on that. And then you get in the second half of marriage and you think, oh my gosh, we've got some freedom. We don't have to be home to do homework. We don't have to, you know, do whatever we usually do because kids are fixed in and everything. You've got flexibility. You've got more time together and and something that you can really enjoy and, and, and grow your marriage uh, in a really special way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny when, as, as men, we get married we have kids, people hit us up and say, Hey, can we come over? Can you bring, bring the baby over the baby, the baby, the baby. I'm like, you're, you know, invisible for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's like, can the baby get there by itself? Cause we really don't want to see you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like men feel ignored, especially when the baby's brand new newborn, oh, yeah. you know, and it's then, like you're invisible. I mean, you, you are there, you were a part of <laughs> this process, but yeah. It's all about the baby and the mom. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go for a while and then the kids become involved in various things and you become involved because you got a show for, for them here and there. Maybe you got to coach the sports team, got yeah. to or get to, however you look at that one. And the kids can become like a huge, huge focus. So one of the things I did, uh, there was a, a two softball teams. I was coaching one for one of my daughters and all of a sudden I got this text that the unbelievable coach of the second team, the lower, lower, younger daughter. He's like, I'm out. I got a few things going on and I'm not coaching this year. And it was like an instant. And I called all the dads and I'm like, Hey, I got a lot going on too. Yeah. (laughs) One of us has to do this. And all of them said, we travel and we got the stuff. We're all willing to help, but none of us are willing to, to take over the head coach. So I got it. You got two. And then what I did 
and I didn't realize, you know, it's just part of, you know, thinking and beginning with the end in mind. So I tell some of my friends, I'm like, Hey, I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, before I accept this, which I think I have to, and I think, I think that's where we're going. I want to let you know how important you are to me. And I love you so much. And I'm afraid of my time commitments of where they're going to go. And I'm afraid that you're going to see me on Monday's coaching one team on Tuesday's coaching another. Mm -hmm. And we got games on this night and then we got a game on the weekend. And I'm afraid what you're going to see is my priorities and my time is being devoted here. And you're going to feel left out over the next few weeks. I'd like to do as much as we can together and go on some date nights and also have us penciled in on the calendar, just like it's a game, just like it's a practice, because I want you to know you're prioritized and don't get run over by two softball team schedules. That is my biggest fear. It's not taking over the second team. It's not any of these other things. I'll figure that out, but you are my priority. And I want you to know that. That's so good. Because I think, I, I think we don't always think ahead like that, or we think, Oh, she'll be okay or, or whatever. And I think just to help know that, and to know that this is just a season, you know, softball is not something you're going to be coaching, you know, forever or whatever it is or whatever that season is. And then things can go different. But I think also we have in those seasons, we've got to be intentional about time together. We've got to say, okay, what are schedule? What are the games? And when do we have time together? And, you know, when we were in that season, Nancy and I'd sit down every Sunday, we look at the calendar and say, what does our son have? What's our daughter have? What do we have? And when we have time for ourselves. Because we ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> what does our son have? What does our daughter have? And guys, you may have missed it. And Nancy, Dr. Kim saying it to his wife, Nancy, what do we have? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, and then, okay, when do we have our time just for the two of us? You know, I... We, we like to go out with friends. We do that. We have some friends we have a lot of fun with, but we love going out just the two of us. And it can be as simple as, I don't know, going, going to lunch somewhere or taking a drive or, or just taking a hike or anything like that. But just where it's the two of us and we get, don't have any distractions around, which is really hard to find anymore in, this, in our, the world that we live in. But it's so important to do that. And you kind of found hiking during the middle of COVID is something that we did. Really we did. Out. I mean, it's like, okay, gym's closed, this closed, this closed. Well, outdoors didn't close. And so, well, in Oklahoma City, we have a lot of great hiking trails. And so uh, we just started exploring. We'd never really hiked like that before. And so we we tried different trails, found the ones we liked the best, and did a lot of hiking during the shutdown time and after that, really. And it was, it was, um, it was really, it was special. It was really fun to explore together. It was fun to do something that we'd never really done individually or together, really. And and so, and to watch uh, and to know that we both really, I mean, we were both, Nancy was game to try it. And so, so we did it and it was fun. And I think it brought us closer together. We look back on those times. Uh, it, really was, it was, it was uh, a real connecting thing for both of us. Yeah. It's something my wife and I and my kids enjoy as well. Yeah, uh, we've we've got to call it exploring or something for the kids to go along with hiking. Right, right. You've got to re- <laughs> yes, yeah. we got to rebrand this, rebrand yeah, it a little bit, just a little bit. How, how do you make it exciting? You know, or we're hunting for something or or whatever. You know, we've got a couple of trails we had had a lot of deer on it, so that was fun. And we did our oldest, our youngest granddaughter went with us one time. She's not uh, big on exercise. But when we said we'll, get, we'll probably see some deer, it was like, okay, I'm in. I'll go for yes, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The trails with water waterfalls or whatever. Hey, we're going to go on this trail. And we're going to go mm-hmm, discover mm-hmm. this waterfall. Okay, Dad, we're in. Yeah, exactly. 
So, yep. If you if you get a little bit of fight, figure out a way to dress it up for them and make it exciting. Oh yeah, whatever yeah. that is, whatever that is. So, what made you decide? Hey, it's now it's time to write this book about love, intimacy, and sex in the second half. Well, my agent, uh, letter agent, is Greg Johnson, and Greg had pushed, not pushed it. He had mentioned this oh, four or five years ago, and he kicked it around a little bit. We kicked it around. And so he said, I'm going to talk to a few publishers. And so about two years ago, he he said, hey, I've got a publisher that likes the idea. So we met with the publisher. And and so I think it was uh, Greg kind of sparked it in it. And then as Nancy and I began, because Nancy's the co-author of it, as we started talking about it together, I thought, yeah, I think this really can be something special because it's, it's our story in a lot of ways. We have a few other people's stories in it. There's a lot of dialogue in it with Nancy and I. We just did recording and then it was transcribed. And I think it goes really, uh, we're really transparent in it. We really talk about every stage of our marriage in it and, and the things that were struggles for us and the things that were good and and how we saw all those things that we really, some of them didn't, it wasn't like we said, okay, how do we have a great second half of marriage? It was like, how do we have our marriage good while the kids are growing up or when the kids first leave or things like that? And so then as we got into um, the second half of marriage, which I defined as when the last kid leaves, whether it's for work, college, whatever it is, and you've got, it's like you look around and there's, you know, people in one bedroom and that's it. And it's you and, and your wife. And so uh, at, at that point, we realized that what we had done over the years really made this transition easy. I mean, it's always a little hard when your last child leaves. I mean, especially as the daughter and ours was a daughter, um, you know, dad, daughter stuff, but we adjusted that pretty well and the kids didn't go away too far. And so um, we thought, okay, this is, this is really fun. And it was kind of odd at first. We'd be out to dinner and then see it. Or one of us would think, what time's a babysitter have to be home? And it was like, no, we don't have babysitters anymore. Or it's like, you know, what do we have? You know, did did uh, kids get fed tonight? Did what were they doing for dinner? And so you didn't have to worry about those things. So you make that transition in to just enjoy time with each other, having fun together. Have you got any tips for that? So this fits for second half or middle half or very. Yeah, beginning. I mean, I I think having you know I I've talked a lot lately about having fun together because I see so many couples in counseling that don't, and it, it's always like. They'll kind of, I'll say, what do you do for fun? And they'll kind of look at each other. And, and then I'll, so then I've learned to ask, well, what did you do for fun before you got married? And oh my gosh, they're both telling me we did this, we did that. We loved going out together. We loved going to the lake. We loved just sitting around talking. We would study in the library, all this stuff that they would do together. And so by brainstorming, we kind of come up with things. What do you want to do now? Are there some of those things that you did then that you want to bring back into your marriage now? Or are there some things that you want to do. And one of the things that I've had couples do is each have each one of them take five slips of paper and write down an activity they'd like to do. And they put them all in a jar and once a week or two weeks, they draw one out and, and whatever it says, you got to do it. I mean, it, it's for the, you know, if the guy puts something in there, you know, like we're going to climb, we're going to learn how to rock climb, you know, the wife's got to go, okay, make sure I got a good harness, but I'll go with you on this, you know? And so you get to do different things. You kind of, and then you figure out, okay, hey, this is something we really enjoy. We're going to put this into our life and to do that. But I think taking time to try new things together, to enjoy being together, just have fun. You know, but sometimes we'll lay in bed and watch silly videos together and just laugh. I, I think it's so good to laugh together. Um, there's just something special about laughter that God gave us. Uh, I love the the guy that's portraying Jesus in the chosen and mm-hmm. and how personable he is and his and his laughing and some of his expressions because I think 
I think sometimes we put Jesus in a little in a box and he was human just like us. And in that human side, uh, he experienced all those things and he did laugh and he probably, you know, maybe played practical jokes. I don't know, but you know, he yes. enjoyed life and just enjoyed love the people around him. And so I think it gives us a, a reason to do that because it's just, it's 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 one of the special things about marriage, I think. So in the Bible, it doesn't talk about uh, all the push-ups they did or all the burpees they did or any of that stuff. No. In re- in reality, they probably didn't do any of that stuff because they were walking everywhere. Everywhere. And somebody told me one time, they said, picture yourself walking with three guys, 12 guys, 30 guys and going somewhere. And I was in the military, so we certainly marched quite a few places. And my workout group, we do some stuff like that. And like, yeah. What do you guys do as you're on your way to something? What yeah. do you guys do? Punch yeah. each other in the shoulder, bump into <laughs> each right. other, laugh about stuff, tell joke. Yep. Like, like exactly. so what, do you th- what do you think those guys did? Probably the Absolutely. same thing every other group of guys do. Yeah, you can just think when the I think we know as much about Peter as anybody, and just what we see of him, you know he had to do some funny things or practical jokes or or just his quirkiness that would, you know, that that I'll laugh at. And so yeah, I I think you're right. It wasn't like they just solemnly walked around with their hands folded, you know, like and following Jesus who had this stern look. It was like, I'm sure they were just kidding around, having fun, enjoying each other. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. Jesus set an example for that. And those are things that as guys, we deal with other guys. And then to be able to laugh and do things with our wives that, because wives don't always enjoy the things that guys enjoy doing together. And Nancy wouldn't enjoy it if I was punching her, you know, or something in the shoulder or something like that. Yes. Yes. You know, it was funny. I just saw a thing. um, A lady was on like slate or whatever, you know, one of those headlines. And she's like, what do I do? My husband is uh, treating my five-year-old like an adult when we play soccer. I'm like, well, of course, that's what we do as guys. Like, right. We're competitive and we're physical and, you know, yeah. it's yeah. how we show love to kids. Like, that's how we can relate. We're not, you know, there to to play dress up or like that's right. just yeah, not, we're, not in our lane. Exactly. And, and we're their model for what it is to be a man. And so, yeah, absolutely. We do those things like that. So picture that guy that's got the, the kids in the middle school range mm-hmm. and He's not even thinking about when the kids get out. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you a short, quick story. So I had a guy tell me a story like that. He's like, you know, we got involved in the kids and soccer and all the stuff. Sure. And then we also volunteered at church separately and then together sometimes, but mostly separate. And so what we, our path took us all the way to senior in high school and one in college. And we started thinking, oh no, we've got about one year left. Like, let's enjoy the the senior year with our son and be focused on him. And then we'll, we'll focus on us, but we probably should do a little something in between to focus on us a little bit to transition us to that. And Absolutely. this is pretty tragic. The, the son had a horrific accident and died. Oh, so there was no senior year of high school mm. and they immediately transitioned into, um, a couple of months of a whole lot of people loving on them and they were busy throughout that, like just around people all the time. Sure. And then that sort of lost the headline. And I said, you know, now we're living normal lives or everybody else is except us. Yeah. Yeah. And we're now empty nesters because the other son's away at college. Yeah. He says, we're, we're really trying to figure this out. And I talked to him and I said, Hey, can I share that? you know, a little bit of a story with, with Dr. Kim, would you be okay with that? Cause 
some people that listen are going to know exactly who you are. Yeah. And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Like, that'd be great if you shared that with them. Have you got any advice for them? Yeah. That's, you know, I think there's nothing harder than losing a child. And, and I don't think it matters what age I, I know my wife's grandmother lost both of her kids, Nancy's mom and her son and the grandmother's son. Um, and she outlived them. And I remember talking to her after all those things that happened. And she said, you know, you're just your kid. You're not supposed to outlive your kids. And I think that it doesn't matter what age you are. I think it's such a hard thing. And so I think it's, you know, I think watching Levi Lesko, who I, I admire, he and Jenny a lot and how after Linya died and, and just how that way they handled that, they grieved well. And I think that's really important. And maybe these people are, have gone through that, but you got to grieve. Well, you got, you've got to go through the hurt if, cause if you stuff it down or ignore it, it's going to come back and just bite the heck out of you at some point. And then I think you have to, you go through all the stages of grief. And then you, at some point you realize, okay, this child will always be a part of our lives, but we're going to put, instead of putting him right in front of us, we're going to put him right over here. And now what does God have for us? What's our life look like? And then begin to take steps to, to, because God's still got a plan for them. He's still got things that are good for them to happen. He still loves them. And, and so I think you, you begin to embrace that. And there's always going to be that, that hurt, uh, that that child's not there. And there's going to be times you really miss that child, uh, because there's things you, there's going to be triggers in life that you just do, whether it's a holiday or whether it's something that kind of blindsides, you know, you may, be sitting in a movie, watching a movie, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, last time I was here, he was with us. And so you've got to realize those kind of things happen. So I think being being aware of the reality of grief, working through that, going through that, you know, journaling, counseling probably will really help. Um, you know, and being, and I think there's some good support groups where other parents that have lost kids. Um, and so you've got that, you don't feel as alone when you know somebody else has gone through the same thing. But then at some point it's okay what do we do? How do we live our lives now together? And because a lot of couples split after the loss of a child, I don't, I used to know the stats. I don't really know what the current ones are, but, but it wasn't unusual at all for a couple just because of the devastation of that. So then you've got to really say, okay, we want this marriage to work. We want to be together the rest of our lives. What do we need to make that happen? And so you begin to do life again, to do marriage again, and to do it in a really way. And in some ways you can almost say, okay, this, this is honoring to our son. We didn't, just give up when he died. We continued. We're here. He's there. Uh, so what does God have for us here? And begin to take that and let God walk through it with you because it's it's not they're not easy steps. But I think the more you do that, the easier the steps get. I was talking with another guy and I said, you know, with your kids and everything, and he's got one child he didn't think was going to go away to college, personality and different things. And he goes, Yeah, you know, it's highly likely she's going to go away. It's highly likely. I might have a year left of having kids around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, you know, have you got any questions? Have you, you know, what are your thoughts? And it's like, I got to connect with my wife and, you know, talk to her about this and come up with an us strategy, whatever that is, you know, that way we're both aware awesome. that we're the priority and, you know, figure out what our path is and how we can connect better going forward. Um, another, another guy was like, Oh, I'll, I'll come up with some questions. I'll talk to my wife and then follow it up with them because you know what? We've, we've been busy. <laughs> you did get busy. I don't have any questions. We've been busy. I'm yeah. like, it's so funny how you put an intention and then life keeps happening exactly what's happening and you don't schedule that conversation. And I think, 
I think one thing that helped us that somebody said to us, and I've shared it with so many people, is that you, when your kids are growing up in your home, you're modeling marriage for them. And so it was always helpful to say, well, what do you want? What do we want our kids to do when they're married? We want them to have date nights. We want them to to have that time alone with their spouse so they can continue to grow their marriage. And so it, it helped us see, well, we've got to model that for them. And so our kids always knew that we had a date night each week. And they always, you know, when they're little, there's babysitters. And we always try to get somebody they like. So it wasn't like, you know, it was punishment that mom and dad went out. Um, and, and just to, to for them to know that there are times mom and dad just need to talk privately uh, and let them know those things. And then we were always... Uh, appropriately affectionate around the kids, you know, and, and I don't think they ever got to where they didn't go Ooh, or something, you know, when, when they'd see that, but I see them now both married and I see the things that they're doing that, um, that I think we modeled well and that they're doing well and the things we didn't model well, I see them not doing. So they, they, <laughs> they kind of picked and chose and found, found the good things. But I, I think you have to realize that you are modeling for them. And so don't feel guilty about having a date night or don't feel guilty about, you know, okay, after dinner, mom, and dad need to have a talk because there's some things we need to talk about. And, um, and, and it's okay. It's okay to tell the kids, okay, you guys go entertain yourselves for a while or go finish your homework or whatever. Um, that was a tip that I, I picked up on years ago was uh, somebody says, tell, tell your kids about date night. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, me and me and me and your mom, we're married and, you know, this is a priority for us and we need to get out and yep. we're going to love each other better because we go on date nights and therefore we'll love you better. We'll be better parents for you too. So it's really important for you that we do this. I know you don't want us to go. However, if you want to have great parents that love each other, this is key. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good way to put it. And I think kids, you know, may, they'll understand that at some level. And I think as they get older, they can more and more see the value in that. And and certainly when they're married and they have that first child and they're thinking, oh, yeah, we need that. We need yeah, that. When we're hugging and kissing around the house, my wife oftentimes will point that out to the girls, to our yeah. daughters. Yeah. And then, uh, then, of course, yeah, they roll their eyes. And, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's over my kids, uh, my son especially. And then my older grandson, I've got one grandson that's 20. And so, yeah, we would, um, he always would roll his eyes at that too. And I'd always kid him about it. But it was, you know, it's something I wanted our grandkids to see just like our kids. I can, I can still remember my granddad and they lived on a farm, farmhouse. And we'd, I'd be working with him. We'd come in for lunch and my grandmother bit the stove and he'd just come up and pat her on the rear. And just she would turn around because she knew I was there and she'd go, what are you doing that? And I knew, it, you know, he did it all the time. And and, and there was something they did. <laughs> she was a little embarrassed that I was there. But it, I still remember that because I saw that kind of playfulness and affection and how they had so much respect for each other and love for each other and fun together. So when you say second half of marriage, what do you what's the definition there that you use? I, I think for if you really go to the second half, it really is when that last, last child leaves home. And I get some kids leave and come back, but just in general, <laughs> it's, it's around 18. Uh, and, you know, if you've got two or three kids, you've been parenting for, and you have a kid every three years, you've been parenting for 24 years. So you, it's not, un, it's not, um, I guess, difficult to understand that that can be hard for somebody if you haven't nurtured your marriage all the way through. Because then it, I mean, in 24 years in parent mode and, and put marriage on the back burner, that's a long time. And you change a lot during that time. And so, you know, I've literally had people say, I really don't know how well I know my husband or my wife now. We just didn't. We did great with kids. We had fun. 
But just as far as us connecting, we didn't do enough of that. And so I think it's second half is at that point. And when you've got less responsibility, you've got more time together. Um, and, and you're, you know, you're going, you know, at some point, depend, you know, some people are in second half of marriage. And really, I had one couple of them, they're late 30s. They had kids really, really young. And so it can go all the way up to somebody 50s, 60s when that when that happens. Uh, but whenever it happens, it, it's a transition and, and it's a change. And there probably is a little grief of that that season is over of having the kids at home and raising them. Uh, but then you get into, OK, what do we have now? And so once those kids leave, how do you make the most of that? You just want to sit around and you watch TV in your room and she watches TV in her room and you've may have dinner together. You may not have dinner together. You, you get in some ruts that just, you just kind of exist. And when you've got an opportunity there, if both, if you're healthy to really do things and enjoy each other a lot and grow, I think our marriage has grown as in, in the second half in ways that it, it just couldn't grow in the first half because of kids and activities and things. But we kept the, the fire going through that. And then we, you know, turned up, turned up the fire after the kids left. So, Oftentimes, as uh, kids are around, a lot of guys I talk to ask me, they say, hey, what do you do for you? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we work, provide for the family. We protect the family. We go to the kids' games. We support them. We run them around. We, you know, take them to sleepovers, have kids come sleepover, all the stuff. And they say, what do you do for you? What do you do for fun? Is there something separate you do? Is there a way that you uh, connect with other people? what they mean by people is other guys, other guys. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, so what have you seen over the years or heard uh, for guys to maintain their independence also? And, and where's the too much and I'll use video games as the distraction or too much phone or too much tablet or too much TV. Talk a little bit about that topic. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's guys, we can, uh, we can take that too far, you know, probably the, Biggest, well, not big. One of the biggest complaints is video games that I hear from people, especially guys that are younger than me and that they grew up with them where they were just a part of their lives and and enjoyed them. And it was a way to connect with other guys and all that kind of stuff. I I think for me, it's always okay if I put God first and keep him first and and seek what he wants me to do in my life. He's always going to put Nancy second. And so when I get that out of whack, then I can get everything out of whack. And so after that can come family, friends. And so I think it's important for guys to have good friends that, you know, and, and I think as guys, we don't, unlike wives, we probably maybe have one or two guys that we really are totally transparent with and open with, We're, you know, we just don't usually one have the time for more than that. And just, we're not as open as women, you know, women go and, and have I, lunch and I, together. And I, would, I would say that one or two that you just threw out actually might not be, that might be a big number. That it might can be. be on the. It can be. Yeah. 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 Actually, right. Yeah. I've got two right now. Uh, but there's. So th- you're you and you've yeah. got two, right? Yeah, I've got. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I get that because, well, when you look at women, they go to lunch, they sit around the table and they're talking about all kinds yes. of things, you know, hurts, pains. What do the kids? We sit around with them. Who's going to win the game? And what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that trade or the trade deadline? You know, what are we going to do? And so we just, it takes a lot for us to get over that hump and say, Hey, how are you really doing? You know, what's, what's going on? Hey, I know you're struggling with this. Is that, how are you doing with that now? You know, can I help you with that? We, we don't do that as well. And, but I think it's important for us to have guys that we just enjoy hanging out with some, to have a friend that you can 
really talk to, maybe you're accountable to each other about things. Maybe you're both struggling with porn and you say, Hey man, this is, this is not good for me. This is killing me. I know it's killing my marriage. Let's be accountable to each other, you know? So use on that level. And then you've got, you know, I got other guys. I just love hanging out with maybe going to a game with them. Um, maybe just, um, uh, then I both started playing pickleball, but just maybe picking up a game and playing, playing with them. But I, I enjoy that fellowship of other guys kind of always, I kind of call it the locker room fellowship that we grew up with in high school when you're in the locker room and all kinds of crazy things happen in there. You know, you're giving each other a hard time and you're popping each other with the towel and you're doing all those stupid things that guys do. But I think that's just part of us as guys that we like to do that. Just when we're talking about Jesus, you know, what the, what the disciples do, you know, they were probably doing the same kind of things, you know? Yeah. So that could be a key. Uh, find like a Bible study or find a group. Absolutely. And then yeah, from you're... that group, you may connect with a guy and then like, hey, you want to hit, hit up some lunch or, you know, you want to swing a few clubs or, you know, throw uh, throw axes these days. Is yeah, something yeah. You can do. I haven't done that yet, but I am going to. Yeah, I got I got to meet a long time ago. The uh, the guy who used to run the Top Gun Academy. Uh huh. And, I, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maverick Goose with that whole thing. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so cool. And so I, I'm talking to him on the phone and he goes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's meet up and get coffee. And I go, could I suggest something alternate? He was like, yeah, what are you thinking? I'm like, you want to go throw axes? He's like, dude, this was the greatest invite of all time. Yes. I want to throw axes. <laughs> He's like, why would you suggest that? I'm like, dude, you flew fighter jets and teach other people like, <laughs> right. I thought you so might I... want to do something more exciting than coffee. He goes, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> that, that is so good. Cause I think as guys, we do connect better. It, it, it with activities and stuff. And, you know, somebody heard years ago and it made so much sense. Somebody said, why did when back in the old days when they created bars, why did they have the bar just a straight line? It was so guys could stand shoulder to shoulder because they're more comfortable with that than, stand, than being face to face. Oh, thought, my gosh, that is such a great point. And it makes sense because we do. It's easier to stand next to somebody. We don't even have to look at them if we don't want to. But do you, know you can turn and bar- talk. Do you know why that bar rail is there? So you got your bar stool and then that bar rail. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why that's there? No. So that it elevates your feet and elevates your knees so that your legs don't fall asleep. Oh, well, yeah. Otherwise that, cause the stools are high, they'd fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you get up and everybody's falling. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So many, so many of these things are designed for a purpose. I'd never, and we don't even why. think about it. Right. That's, yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. And the bar being shoulder to shoulder. It's like, yeah, guys talk shoulder to shoulder. You know, somebody figured that out a long time ago that, you know, if we, yeah, if we have a bunch of tables, the guys, if it's guys come in, I guess they're not going to do that. Yeah. Give us a TV to talk about. Give us a topic in Put front of games us in front of and us, then yeah. we can relate with each other that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think to uh, kind of going back to a couple of things you were saying, I, I think as guys, we can, um, we need time with our friends, but it can't, our wives can't think that that is more important than them. And so I think it comes back to communication and make sure you're meeting the needs you can meet that your wife wants you to meet. If they're realistic, you know, m- make sure you do that. So when you're gone, that she's glad you're spending time with your friends and doesn't feel like it's taking away from her. And I think that's where I get the video game thing, because you're most of the guys are doing it at home. They're in a room without her because most women don't play it with them. Some probably do, but most don't. And so it's like at that point, it's like, OK, he's been in there for three hours. I've been sitting out here for three hours that I don't like that. And, and I get that. 
it, what if he would have said, yeah, I'm going to go play for an hour. And then, hey, what do you want to do? Is there some, something new you want to watch on TV? Do you want to go for a walk? What do you want to do? Then it's, it's kind of like you get to do your deal. She gets time with you. And that hour that you're in there, she knows you're coming out and she knows you're going to spend time with her. So then she can do something that, that she enjoys doing by herself. And guys, I love the, I love the strategy. Set the alarm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, set, set it the, for 55 minutes. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Don't set it for an hour because you'll be 10 minutes late. Set, give, yes. it, you know, give yourself. So, okay, I can, I've got five or 10 minutes to finish this. And then I'm walking out of here. Yeah, that's so a great idea. When you make your commitments to your wife, these little small, teeny tiny, that can seem insignificant. So I was 67 minutes instead of 60 minutes. Who cares? Like we got the walk in anyway. Well, those are little micro agreements that you make and you were the one that made it. You said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then you didn't do it. And then your wife goes, well, that's the hundred and second time in the last 391 days. Cause they keep track. They got a little notebook that they keep track in. I, <laughs> you guys might not know one. where the notebook is, but they got yeah. it. Yeah. And once you start honoring all these small agreements, that doesn't happen. They don't keep score. They don't go. Absolutely. Back. He said this a week ago and he didn't do it. And like, you're building, you're building trust, you're, yes. you're building trust and, yes. and that's what you want to do. And so when you have that trust, you know, when you build trust, you just want to do everything you can to keep that and not hurt that anyway. Cause it's, once you've lost trust, it's hard to rebuild it. Like yes, this, absolutely. The guy that, that was walked out of there 122 days late out of, out of the year, you know, he hadn't built a lot of trust there. So she really, when he says now, she just kind of probably blows it off. And they yeah. change her whole attitude of what she does in that hour that you're playing video games. Yeah. And yeah. when you do that with your buddy, hey, man, sorry about that. I was doing the thing. And then, oh, my gosh, I got the bonus round. Like, I never yeah. get the bonus round. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, oh, that's so good. That's good. What? Yeah, exactly. It's different. You know, just like you, you, you can tell a guy, you're such a... You're so ugly. I don't know why anybody, I don't know how you got your wife or things like that. Well, you can't go to a woman and say, you're so ugly. How'd you get him? No. I mean, there's, there's very big differences between a man and a woman, how we relate to them and what we, what we do. And I think as guys, a lot of times we do things with our wives that our, our friends are great with. You know, they're not going to give you a hard time about that, but you got to realize this is your wife. This is somebody you committed to do, you made a covenant with, to live the rest of your life with. I'm glad you used that word covenant. Because I think it's so different than it takes it deeper than commitment because God's involved in that. And and we read about covenants in the Old Testament that God made and how he honored those and how he how he was faithful to fulfill those those things on his part of it. And so when you when we stood at the altar before God and pledged our marriage to each other, not only was I making that covenant to Nancy, but we were making it to God that, that with your help, we're gonna make this thing work. And that was something that was really important to both of us. At the times when we struggled that could have been close to divorce or if we talked about divorce, that kind of always came back. And the fact that at that point, nobody in either side of our families had had a divorce ever. And we were so stubborn. We weren't going to be the first to do that. We might kill each other, but we weren't going to be the first ones to get a divorce. We just weren't going to do that. Wow. And so, yeah. And so I think when you really take that seriously, I think that's what encourages you to go through the hard times. It encourages you to go the extra mile when you're tired and you don't want to. It's what encourages you to go to, to counseling. Okay, we've got to figure this out. So we're going to invest in our marriage and we're going to find a good Christian counselor and we're going to go spend time with them and and do those things that that honor that covenant and then grow your marriage. Because when you get 
you know, I see couples, we did an interview one time um, with couples that had all been married over 50 years and the things they shared about how they got to where they are. Cause all of them would say, you know, we're in our best years ever. We're loving life together, but it they were intentional and they didn't give up and they persevered through hard times. And I think one of the things our culture has really done a disservice to marriage is it's so easy to get divorced. And so many people think after a year or two that, gosh, I married the wrong person or fighting. Well, yeah, you're going to fight with the next person too. You just got to learn how to fight right, fight fair. And so your marriage grows. And, and so I think I just, it's just sad to me when I think that people give up and they will never get to where we are or you are. People that have, have worked through it, none of us have had perfect marriages. All of us at some point, have had to struggle through things and figure each other out and figure things out and like and trust God to do something that we don't have, know how to do. And when you give up on your marriage, you never get to get to the other side of that, which is really good. If you're preparing well, nurturing your marriage, you get that second half and you're gonna think this is really fun. This is this is awesome. That because a lot of times we look at the in the last 20, 30 years of our lives, 40 years, whatever it is for somebody. You know, that okay, we've done this, we got our career going, kids are out of the house. Now what do we do? Well, it's like, oh yeah, now we can really do some things. Now we can really spend more time with kids. Now we can talk uh, we've got time to talk about things that we didn't before or to read a book together that we've always wanted to do that. Or you, you, you just open all kinds of doors of opportunities to grow. And and that's a lot of what the whole book is pointing toward. Get ready for that. And when you're in it, live it out, enjoy it. So the word covenant, there's no end to that. That's a wow. forever agreement. Yeah. And not only a forever agreement, it kind of goes generation, 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 where the earth, the ways of the world, we've got a contract. And in the contract, it's got the exit plan. Absolutely. Yeah. So when this contract is over, this is what happens. And how many times do you hear people breaking the contract? Sports, coaches, players, different things that people just break a contract, maybe a few consequences to it, but they break it. Yeah. And, it's, and, and then, it's got it defined. This is yeah. what happens. You know, and my kids it, ask me, Hey, if I do that, what's the punishment? Well, let me make a decision. Do I want to take that action or not? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's the punishment for the break in the contract? Oh, I go find a new wife and figure it out. And then we fight different ways, but I'm sure she'll be perfect. I'm sure she'll be perfect. And you're like, no, it's the same yeah. thing. You'll have the same fight with a different person. Exactly. One of my favorite people I ever counseled with, it was, they, it was on, he was on his sixth, this was his sixth marriage. It was her oh. thir- third. And he just, he said, I don't, I, I don't want to keep doing this. He said, I know I'm not doing marriage right. And and I think this woman really loves me. And this is, you know, I, I probably still could have been with one or two of the other wives, but I've divorced and he worked hard and they've been married probably 25 years now. And wow. He's, he just did it different and, and, he, and he involved God. And, and I think at, at that point, he, I think sometimes we take, make that covenant and we don't even think about it. And I think that's where he was. And I think when they married, he really took the board covenant seriously. And okay, what I, what have I got to do instead of pointing at his wife, which had done six times before, five times before and saying, she's not a very good wife. She's not doing these things for me. He pointed back at himself. What do I need to do to make this marriage work? Made it all different to the world and ran into him oh, a couple of months ago. And they're just, just you, you could just see it in their, in their faces. They're so happy and so connected. And so no matter what you're, I guess what I'm saying, I mean, no matter what your past has been or whatever, uh, 
God can redeem that. And God, and whatever you're in your marriage right now, and it's struggling, that God can redeem that. You can turn that around. Divorce, you know, when Nancy and I, we took divorce off the table in year six, uh, when we really went through some struggles. And that was the best thing we ever did. And it didn't magically make things change or happen, but it wasn't an option anymore. So it's can like, you share oh. some of those struggles? Well, we, you mean afterwards or before? Before. Yeah, we, we didn't fight fair. Uh, our fights really, and we never resolved conflict. So we'd finally just maybe wouldn't speak to each other for a few days and then we'd start, you know, kind of miss each other, really start talking again, but never resolve the issues. Um, Nancy had struggled, was struggling some with this. We got married so young. And so it's her questions of, do I really love him? Do I love him enough to be married the rest of my life with this guy? And so we had those talks. Uh, she counseled with a wonderful godly woman that was in our church that really helped her work through that and to see you know where some of those things were coming from from her um but we just um we had fun together we were we both have said at that point probably were best friends and and nancy has said since and one of the things that kept her in was she didn't want to lose her best friend Uh. we just weren't figuring marriage out very well and we had our first our son was probably six months old at that time and so it was hard, but it was it was just interesting when uh, she actually the day we decided to take divorce off the table, she had met with this lady and the lady had said, you know, God didn't want you to get a divorce. He wants you to give him a chance to make something beautiful out of this marriage. And it's just like it clicked in Nancy's brain. She came home and said, we're not getting divorced. We're going to take that off the table and we're going to let God do something beautiful in our marriage. And he did. And so. It was, but then we had to work hard, but it was like, once, once that's not an option to get out, it's like, God, we got to work through this, don't we? We got to, we got to come to a solution. We can't keep pushing things down or pushing them off. We got to, we got to work through this. Uh, went to a counselor for a while and uh, that was helpful. And then just, we had some great mentors in our lives that really, uh, including my parents who really were the inspiration for awesome marriage um, that, that helped us see okay, this is what we want. Okay. How do we, how do we get here? And we talked to him. Like, how, how did you guys get here? how did you work through this? Always tried to, we always tried to find somebody that was at least a, um, a season ahead of us. Maybe if we had young kids, they had teenagers or kids just leaving and they're teenagers, ones that have left and, and just get wisdom from people that, that you just respect. Sometimes when, you know, I've had people say, just ask your pastor, tell him what, what you want. Ask him, ask him who in the church would be good for you guys to take a lunch or to take the dinner. Or you know what is unbelievable with. about that? What? They know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I asked him a question yeah. like that. And he's like, oh, Becky and Becky and Bob. Like, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's at the top some... of their head of who who's doing well. And you just know uh, God's working in that. It's like. That, that name is there because and he's either observed them or they've come to them and said, man, we have gone through this. We have learned so much. God's taught us. If you ever need anybody, uh, us to sit down with anybody, we'd love to do that. So you come up and ask the pastor, there it goes. And I, yeah, I, uh, I think it's so important to have mentors like that, that just can pour wisdom into you. We're, you. We don't know it all. And I think that was probably one of the things early in marriage when we struggled, we didn't want to reach out to other people at first. We, you know, we've got this, we, you know, pride on my part, probably some on Nancy's part. And that was killing us. We need other people in our lives. <laughs> I was sure. at a, a batting cage the other day and I see this girl, she was pretty talented, had a really good swing. And the batting coach says, um, Hey, if you want some help, 
I'll, I'll ask you if I've got something to offer and you let me know if you can receive help or not. And she's swings six in a row, misses them all. Beautiful swing, but kept missing them all. He goes, Hey, I got something for you. Would you like some help? And the girl goes, No. He goes, Okay. And you know, she got 20 more pitches, missed them all. Next time she came up, he says, Hey, I got some help for you. Would you like it? No, leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> Third time she came up and he says, You want some help? She goes, Ah, sh- sure, whatever. <laughs> and then he asked her two more times until she switched it. She never did get to a yes, but she at least got to a nice tone. Uh huh. And he gave her three different things to work on and she started hitting line drives and just smoking them. But she had to become humble yeah, and accept the help and vulnerable and show that she was, show that weakness about her that absolutely hey, and, and recognize and respect the fact that that's what this guy's done for 40 years. Like he knows what he's doing. Listen, yeah. but we're idiots sometimes, especially as guys where we get focused on, you know, we can do this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But what wisdom that coach showed of, um, it doesn't hurt. It's not going to work if I push myself on her. If I go in there and just grab the bat and show her what to do, she's got to want it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I heard a quote yesterday, but it kind of applies to a lot of things. And it was, he said that um, he was talking about people struggling with alcohol and said, um, treatment is not for those who need it. It's for those who want it. And I mm-hmm. thought that applies in so many ways, you know, we can have the best person in front of us to give us counsel and advice, but if we don't see the value in that and how that's going to help us, she's going to go one in one ear and out the other. And just like that girl, he knew that he had to let her get to the point where she could hear him because she probably, if he'd gone in the first time and told her what to do, she'd probably come back to hitting it just like she did before. Cause she wasn't listening to him. She didn't, she wasn't embracing that at all. And so that wasn't gonna make a change. And uh, so his timing was awesome. And you, I love how you just openly talk about sex inside your, your counseling and in your books and um, emails and everything else. Yeah. Back in the garden of Eden, when it all started, it was a perfect, beautiful thing designed by God. Sin got introduced in the world and then it all got twisted after that. And you've got a way of, well, there's guys in the world that talk about sex and marriage, sex outside of marriage, and just in an unhealthy way. And you've Mm -hmm. got a way that maybe won't sell the most books about sex or won't, you know, get the most YouTube views or any of that stuff. But you've got a really wholesome way of opening that up. And there can be a thought of, oh, we've been married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and sex can be boring and whatever. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because the guys are like, you had sex in the title, so we haven't really talked about it. We, we haven't that. got there yet. Have we? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole reason I've listened to this today, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's something one of the things I do when I do premarital counseling is I have the couples write down one thing they're looking forward to in their sexual relationship and marriage. And that's just to get them to start talking about it. And I talk how important it is to talk about it. And so I think if you communicate well about your sex life all the way through maybe that first 18 years, and we, most of us don't do that well. And so somebody maybe listens think, yeah, we haven't talked about sex at all, but but it's important to know, I mean, I when I realized that, of course, I thought because I'd been in the locker room, I thought I knew everything about women sexually. I mean, because those guys <laughs> said it and, and one day learned, figured out that those guys are all lying anyway. You know, they're just talking in the locker room. But I didn't know about Nancy. 
And I had to learn about her and about what she liked and what she didn't like and what uh, drew her closer to me in the sexual relationship and what pushed her away. And and so we learned that by communicating with each other and talking about it. And and we still do. I mean, because we change over time and, and what we like or not like or and I think when you've got that open communication, it, it allows you to continue to enjoy your sex life. All, the, all, all your marriage. I mean, yeah, you got all kinds of, you know, if you listen to sports radio, you got all kinds of ways to to make sure you can perform and whatever. And so uh, I, uh, one of the things that I, I have all stuck in my mind is probably 15 years ago, this couple came in and they were 83 and 84 and they were getting ready to get married. Both had lost their spouses five or 10 years before. And one of the things they want to talk about was their sex life. Okay, we were with our spouse for 50 years. How do we transition? We want that to be a part of our marriage. And so we kind of work through the things. And and so that just showed me, you know, that God gave us that gift to enjoy. Now, I get some people, there may be some health issues that that is not Mm -hmm. as possible. But there's other options of just, you know, closeness and intimacy and cuddling. But but I think just, okay, what do we need to do? And, And knowing, too, I think it helps to realize what season you are in. Our sex life was different when we had two little kids running around the house or babies that, you know, that were sick or things like that than when the next season in life. And so I think sometimes as guys, we get frustrated in that time when our wives are thinking so much about the kids and, you know, at night when I'm sick. And so one ear is listening to them and one's trying to, you know, be with you. And, and so realizing, okay, this is just for a season. And when we get out of that, things will change. And I think if you use that language when you're talking to each other and you can say, Hey, maybe during this season, we need to schedule sex. You know, we always like to be, to be spontaneous, but you know, we just had sex in a couple of weeks and, and we know we want that more than that. So let's set a time. And I think that helps a lot of couples because for a woman, her greatest sex organ is her mind. We all know that. And so it allows her to think, okay, Tuesday and Saturday. Okay. Tuesday, she knows this is when we committed to each other to be intimate with each other. And so she's able to think about it during the day. And she's able to prepare herself mentally for that. And so when you get in bed or you reach over, I mean, it's not like you have to fear rejection because you guys have already decided that. And she's mentally already there. And so that can really help in some seasons. And then if spontaneity comes in and and six more times during the week, great. But but I think you don't want to ever put it on the back burner because God designed it as to draw us closer together. And there's something I think in a Christian marriage, you you know, um, the Hebrew word dod is a mingling of souls, and mm-hmm. I love that because it's it's your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical all coming together. And I think that's why I think sex in a Christian marriage can be better than any other because you've got the spiritual dynamic there, and you've got. Um, I mean, God doesn't like turn your back on you when you're having sex. I mean, he, he, you're enjoying the gift he gave you. And, and so I, I think sometimes we think God's approved. Why do we, you know, God's the one who invented it. God made our bodies really fit perfectly together. I mean, that wasn't an accident, you know? So he wants us to enjoy that. Um, and so I think, I think you want to communicate. And so you can continue to do that. And so maybe you're at a time now that, you haven't talked about sex in a long time. Maybe you've never talked about sex. And so you can go and say, hey, um, listen to this podcast. Um, I think our sex life can be better. And I want it to be better for both of us. Because sometimes I think because we usually have a higher sex drive than our wives. Some wives have higher. I've seen that. But in general, most guys do. And so we're the one who's asking more and things like that. And so 
to sometimes I think our wives think we don't really care about them. We just want to get our needs met. And so approach it like, I want it to be good for you too. Because honestly, if you're having sex three times a week and your wife's not in it, having sex once a week where she is in it and connected with you, it's going to be so much better in those three times when you just went through the motions. And and so see yourself as a team and what, what, what do you, what does she think we can make? How do we make that work during this time? Uh, you're up with the babies. One's been sick. What do you, um, what, when would be the best time for us to kind of think about this and what, what can I do to romance you? You know, that helps a lot and figuring out what your life wife thinks is romantic is, is pretty important too, because that's going to help draw her to you. So if she likes flowers, you know, bring her flowers on a day that's not Valentine's or birthday or, you know, one of those times when she would expect it. Or or if it's, you know, if, if your wife's love language is active service, you know, run the vacuum, clean the toilets. I had one guy that's told me, he said, our best sex is when I clean the toilets every time. And I thought, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to keep cleaning toilets. And I thought, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> because she hated to clean the toilets. And so that, so I think it is learning what your wife's love language is, what makes her feel love. And we talk about in my, in one of the other books, 14 keys to lasting love, 24, seven, 365 foreplay. And the whole premise behind that is, is foreplay is not touching. It's how you treat each other, how you interact with each other, how you are there for each other, how you serve each other, all the other hours of the day. My experience is when th- when you're clicking on that and you're both doing that for each other, the sex takes care of itself because you're just going to feel so close and connected and the sex is just going to just gonna evolve out of that. So when I heard you talking, I'm, I'm hearing curiosity, learn about your wife. Oh, I'm yeah. Hearing pursue, actively pursue your wife and uh, having fun, being playful, like being engaged and paying attention to her. And it made me think about one time I wrote a, read a book about ADHD mm-hmm. and my wife discovered it after I'd finished reading it. And she goes, what's this about? I go, oh, you know, just checking it out. She goes, did you read this? I said, yeah. She says, why did you read this? You don't have ADHD. And I said, no, I, I read this so that I could understand you better so that I could relate to you better and really get a better understanding. And I'll be darned if she didn't almost instantly start crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so many. And that's such a, in the big picture, you think that's a small thing, but to her, that was huge. I think anything that we do, you know, and I think that's why we need to ask our wives questions. Cause sometimes we make assumptions as guys as what we think they'll like or whatever. And it's okay to shoot in the dark sometimes, but by, by being a student of your wife, you know the things that mm. are going to be good for her. You know the things that are going to make her feel loved. Um, and, you know, I, I think what you said to Dan, and I think the first time I ever heard somebody talk about it was years ago when we were early married and James Dobson said, as guys, we quit pursuing. We have pursued her. We got the ring on our finger. She said, yes. And he, he said, it's like you're, you get your trophy and you mount it on the wall and then you go off. Okay. Now I'm going to go make my career. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And you got to keep pursuing her. I mean, it, the guys that I see that do that, their marriages are so much better because our wives want us to continue to pursue them because it shows we care about them. You read in that book, sent made her feel so loved and cared for. And, you know, like that, Nancy was diagnosed with panic disorder early in her marriage. And that was at a time that nobody knew much about panic disorder, just barely. It was in the DSM probably three at that time. 
And so together I helped her and we sought out and found a doctor that happened to be at the health science center here in Oklahoma city that was working with the doctor in, um, um, Boston and coming up with some new things to do with panic disorder. So the fact that I walked through that with her, something I totally under, did not understand. I don't think I've ever been anxious. I've never had panic. And so when you see someone, your tendencies go, well, just suck it up, you know? And that wasn't, that wouldn't work at all. So I walked through that with her and I learned about it and I understood about it. And so that thing that was really hard for her connected us because I was, I, I walked through it with her. It makes such a difference. That's so good. My dad, he said, uh, marriage advice. He says, don't fall in love with the girl you're going to marry. Fall in love with the woman she'll become after marriage. And I said, dad, how do you do that? And he says, good luck, son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know that. And I try to help people see, you know, you can do a lot. Of, we talked about a lot in premarital counseling and a lot of it I know goes in one ear and out the other, but we use the workbook and I've had so many people, many people say, yeah, we got into marriage and this happened and we know you covered it in class. So I'm so glad we had our work back because we went back and looked and thought, okay, yeah, that's what we can do now because you don't think about all of that, but you want to have tools to use. You want to have, um, uh, things that can help you when you work through things, because you are going to find out different things about each other. You know, I was <laughs> one of the early things with us. When I grew up, I used to towel a day after shower. I dropped it on the floor. It miraculously got washed. And it was back in the clock when I needed it the next time with the other towels. Well, I started doing that marriage. And, and so it took Nancy a couple of weeks, I think, to figure out what am I going to say to him? And she could. <laughs> so we need to have that conversation that that really wasn't the way she wanted us to do that, that you can use your towel more than once. And even after you used it, there is a hook there. You know what that's for? You know, that's where you can put your towel so we don't stumble over it because it's in the middle of the floor. So you got to work through all those, those things too and learning what's important to them. And, you know, at that time I could have said, well, that's stupid. My mom always did this. You need to do this. Well, what would that have done for her? She's thinking, I can't be his mom as his wife. Am I going to have to do everything like she did? But no, it was, you know, I was wise enough. And, and I had a, my dad was a great role model. And I saw him do those things for my mom over and over and to acknowledge her and to listen to her. So I started hanging my towel up. And now it's like I hang the towel up. And if, it, if she thinks it's time to wash the towels, then she gets it off the hook and washes it. And so, that, you know, there's just little things like that, that when you put them all together, uh, make a difference. And it's so funny you say that because same system at our house. I, I didn't leave the towel on the ground, but oftentimes I'll see the towels gone and I think to myself, what in the heck? That towel was still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I think to myself, why do you even let yourself get worked up about this super small oh, stuff? Grab a different towel out of the closet. <laughs> like yeah. it's not a big deal. <laughs> no. And I think sometimes in marriage we get nitpick over little things and then all, it's because of our tone of voice and our attitude that just blows up to something big. And it's like, why, you know, don't, you don't need, you got to have enough things to work through without inventing things. Yeah. So earlier we talked in the podcast about beginning with the end in mind. So you're on the journey of a Christian dad podcast. The end is really just the beginning. So if our focus is Christ, if our focus is getting to heaven, all these little things that come up, get over yourself, yeah. get over yourself. These are the things that are thrown in our way for us to trip over, stub our toe, or, you know, get punched in the face and knocked out, but they're there yeah, for us maybe. to learn how to be better people, better Christians, better husbands, better dads. Absolutely. And that 
that process we're going through, that transformation, to use a biblical term as opposed to a way of the world, is so that we can become better and get to heaven and help others get there as well. So Dr. Kim has just been awesome. He's been like a Paul for me where I can pay attention to his stuff and I can learn from Paul like Timothy would learn from Paul. And then as men learning, we can then turn to another guy and they can be our Timothy and they can learn from us. All we got to do is stay one chapter ahead of them in the book. Yeah. And then we always want to have some Barnabases around some, some ride or die type people, some marriage couples that, that do things right and live, live life with us and, and do life with us. So Dr. Kim talked about him having two specific guys that he can share anything with. If you find yourself being the guy that has zero, go find one. Yeah. If you have he's one, out, he is out there. There's somebody else that's thinking, I wish I had one. And I do think that's being involved in a church. That's usually a pretty good place to find someone because <clears throat> your pastor's not going to give you a name of somebody that's, you know, a train wreck at that time in their life because he's got those names too, you know? And so those guys are getting better before they can do that. But Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is worth it. It's a little hard. Uh, it can be a little awkward, but it, the guys that I know that do that, it makes such a difference in their lives. Yeah. So you may need to share something at a little bit vulnerable level to get yeah. the other guy to open up a little bit. Um, an example was Dr. Kim mentioning that him and his wife discussed the D word, the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. He's Dr. Kim. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where Nancy and I decided a long time ago. And this book is really transparent, especially in the sex part. And, you know, we did the recording and Nancy read through it. And I said, is there anything that you're just not comfortable with? And she said, no, no. And, and so we want to be transparent. We want to be honest. I don't think we help anybody by ask if, if, because sometimes people look at us and think, well, you've always had that marriage. No, we haven't. We worked hard to get here. And so I want people to know that. And I also want them to know that it's worth it. It's worth every, I wouldn't change. Really, Nancy asked me this a few months ago. She said, would you change anything? And I sat there a minute. I thought, you know, not really, because I think we learned from everything, you know, that, that we went through. So I think, I think as long as you're, if you're seeking God and you're learning from your mistakes, um, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So guys, if you like this podcast, check out the previous one, Dr. Kim was on, and then also check out the two that uh, John David Mann and Anna Mann were on. Yeah. It was great having both of them on and and seeing the awesome marriage that they have and how they just glow when they talk about each other and compliment each other. And it's genuine and authentic. And we all can have a marriage like that. If we put our minds to it, prioritize our wife, cherish our wife and are curious, the words you used were student of your wife. I love yeah. those words. It It's just, uh, and it's fun because you'll never learn. I don't think you ever learn in this life, everything about your spouse, because we do change and we learn and we grow. And so just see that as, as, as something you want to continue to do. It's like lifelong learning about your spouse. Um, and it, I love it. You know, Nancy was sharing something the other day about the story that happened when she was in grade school. I'd never heard before. And it was, <laughs> and it was important to her and it was important at that time in her life. And it, I can't remember why it came to her, but I loved learning that. And it helped me see a part of her that before, you know, I met her when she was 18. So there were 18 years that I didn't have much information about her except some pictures and stuff. So I love hearing things like that. So guys can get, uh, a lot more information at awesomemarriage.com. And then you can right. check the book out. You can't buy it on Amazon quite yet, but you can get it at loveinthesecondhalfbook.com. Loveinthesecondhalfbook.com. 
And on Dr. Kim's website, he's got some cool emails. You can sign up and get some email tips and things. He's got some fantastic stuff. Anything else you want to add to ways for guys to connect with your stuff? No, that's it. I, the, my website, kimkimmerling.com. Also, you can get the book there. And there's a few things there that aren't on the uh, Awesome Marriage website. Uh, do weekly dispatch that we've got about 25,000 people subscribed yet, where I just talk about different things and also have some fun things in there. I always got a trivia question. I always got a, something that I think is kind of interesting. And so uh, you can subscribe to that there. And then also marriage has all.com has all of our resources, links to everything, uh, YouTube channel, things like that. So we have a lot of resources for people to help them go on their marriage. And uh, you can get on marriage.com and get in the search bar if you want information about a certain thing and see everything we've got from podcasts to blogs to different things on it. We do a lot of resources that people can, that are digital, that people can use at home to grow their marriage. So we have a lot of resources there. So I invite people to to go there, austinmarriage.com uh, and then kimkimberling.com. That's great. So two things to finish this out. Have you got um, a tip or a word of advice for guys as they navigate life and marriage and just being a Christian dad. And then the second one is, can you throw a challenge out for them? Something they can do from week to week. So we can, I'll chance to the first one and transition to the I, second one. I think there's nothing that makes a difference for me pursuing God. That makes a difference for me. And times in my life, I've done it better than others. But by, for me, that means, and I have a quiet time every morning. And so that means spending time in prayer, spending time reading the word, um, and just trying to be silent for a few moments to to see if God just in his presence and to see what happens. But when I start my day like that, it makes a difference. And I get up a little earlier and always have to, to do that. When the kids were home, I got up extra earlier because I wanted to do that and exercise before they got up. But I think that and the, the challenge would be to um, to pursue your wife every day, What find out what makes her tick and and pursue her every day. And I guarantee if you do that every day for a month, you will see a difference. And hopefully that'll encourage you to keep doing it. Can you put a little bit more teeth behind that challenge? I know pursue your wife every day. Yeah. What It's like, okay, maybe it's, uh, how can I help you today? You know, and I asked Nancy that most days and most days she said, I'm okay. But the days, but she knows that I would do it if she asked. And someday she said, yeah, I really would help if you do this. I said, great, I'll do it. Um, so helping, uh, telling your wife every day she looks beautiful, I'll guarantee you, a wife never gets tired of that. And she needs, and plus, she needs to hear it from you first. If she's out in the workplace and you never tell her she's beautiful and somebody else does, and I don't want somebody else telling Nancy she's beautiful if I haven't told her she's beautiful. And so those are ways to pursue your spouse and to pursue her heart. I think praying together is something that I think is is hard for us, but I think if I had one thing that I think makes the biggest difference in a marriage is a couple that prays together and it doesn't, you're not, you don't have to be a pastor. You can just start simply. You can pray silently. Uh, you can pray out loud, whatever's comfortable for you. But basically you can just start with God to help us to have the marriage you designed for us. Amen. You know, it doesn't have to be a 10, 15, 20 minute prayer. Just begin to see God as part of your marriage and know that he cares for it and that he does have a plan for it. And when you seek him, I mean, he's right there. He's going to show up. It's an awesome thing that you point out about the prayer and guys are afraid to do that. And my pastor at my church says a couple will come in, they're ready to divorce. They're ready to punch each other out. And he listens to them for 30 minutes or an hour, just fight and fight and fight. And 
call each other, whatever it is that they call each other. And then he takes a breath, pauses for a second. He says, okay. Like he's contemplating all this stuff. And he says, I've got a question for you. When was the last time that you prayed together? I love it. And he says, not one single time has anybody ever answered that question. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, you know, with the, with the time, you know, they yeah. uh, say, well, we don't pray together. This is- and I, I think you've got to schedule it. I Because I think couples I've worked with that say, yeah, we'll do that. And they come back in the next week. Well, we did. We got busy. And so you got to schedule it. And so usually we'll figure it out a time. You know, I've got some couples that it's like kids are gone to school. He's heading out the door for work and they stop for a couple of minutes and pray. I've got some couples that kids get in bed at night. They go to bed, uh, pray together. So build it in so it becomes a habit, you know, like brushing your teeth. You'll brush your teeth in the morning, brush your teeth before you go to bed, pray in the morning or pray when you go to bed. Just build that in uh, so you've got that trigger. And once you begin doing it, you will not want to not do it. We've prayed 99% of the day nights of our marriage together. And Nancy started that on our wedding night and because another mentor had told her how important that was. And so it's it's made a huge difference in our marriage. I know it has. Can you share that wedding night story? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, so we we uh, were staying in the same hotel where our reception was. And so we had gone up to our room and Nancy uh, went to the bathroom and put a nightgown. And so I was sitting on the bed and I think I just had my underwear on or something. And and she came out and she looked so beautiful. And so she walks over to me and sits down and you know, my heart's beating out of my chest. And she goes, I think we need to pray. And I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it took me so <laughs> and then she told me, she said, well, I, so-and-so that I'd been meeting with told me how important it is for a couple to pray together. And so I said, well, what do you want to pray? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, let's pray the Lord's prayer. We know that. We both know that. Let's pray that. So we did. And it started with that and then it evolved to, uh, praying for our marriage, other things. Uh, we prayed silently together for a long time. Uh, now we pray out loud together, but it's not like it's a, it's a got to get to this level. It's just going to God in prayer. And if it's just say, Hey, I'm going to be praying for this. You, what are you going to be praying for? And you hold hands and pray silently. That's okay too. But it, it made a difference. And it was, uh, I just wish I'd had a picture of my face when she said that because my mind was not there, you know, and I was thinking, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, uh, but it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I thought that was such a cool story. I forgot about that when we were talking today and when you brought it up, like that was a really, really cool, different type thing. Yeah. It was a different heard, wedding night story. I've heard wives react differently when guys bring prayer into the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but anyway, be, be courageous guys. Bring, Bring prayer into your marriage with your wife individually away from the kids. Pray with the kids, of course. Oh, yeah. If you can pray individually with your wife, it's such a huge, huge, huge blessing. And let your kids know you are. This is our prayer with you. Now, mom and dad are going to pray or mom and dad prayed in the morning. We want to pray together as a family and we pray together. And so, yeah, let them know what you're doing so they can see that model. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for being generous again with your time. And guys, get out and buy that book. Uh, whether it's from awesomemarriage.com or love in the second half book.com. And then uh, he mentioned also his other book, uh, 14 keys to lasting love, grab that one too. And he's got some other books out there as well. Everything he puts out is so, so good. So thank you so much, Dr. Kim. Thank you, Dan. It's been a blast again. I love what you do and I love spending time with you and uh, you're just doing a great job. Thank you for what you do. 
Absolutely. You bet. My pleasure. And guys, check it out, write some reviews, invite some people to listen and, uh, you know, point them to this one because everybody can use help in their marriage. So thanks guys. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the journey of a Christian dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light, shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community that helps me be accountable to you guys, helps me be accountable to myself be accountable to God and Jesus. Hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.